0: The last time we did this,
1: right, right,
0: last I had year. not played any legitimate tabletop games, except what y'all made fun of me for, the M-word, <laughs> Monopoly. Mark, you weren't here for I don't know if you watched the last Gen Con <laughs> special we did on the podcast a year ago, but pretty much the biggest tabletop game, board game I played was Monopoly up until last year. I played. I played one game, and I and I would have played another one, but I came in late. I went to a friend's birthday party, and they were having a board game night. And so, one of the games that they played, which I was really interested in playing, I just didn't get the chance to, was Sura. So, uh, does that does that name sound familiar?
2: Uh, Tesuro with the
0: dragons
2: going uh, yes. kind of across. The oh board. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. A great game.
2: You know, if we're talking just in terms of number of games played Monopoly's probably the greatest game of all time uh Ooh. we're talking the number of times people have played it so uh
0: oh okay probably a hot take that sounds like a hot take because i got <laughs> grief from mike and rob last <laughs> we, year
1: we were we were pretty brutal we were pretty brutal I, apologies anthony apologies uh, oh no but i did make up all. for it i sent you a copy of cat in the box
0: you did you did but I also played another game, which I found fantastic. It was called Mysterium, which to me felt like Clue Advanced. Oh, that game is so much fun. Oh, I yeah. Was so good. I was Mysterium like Mysterium is
2: fantastic. Absolutely yeah. one of my favorites.
0: Fan-freaking-tastic. So that's the one I played. So between last year where I played Zero and this year I played one, I'm already improving. Baby steps.
1: You're a tabletop expert. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be sending you some review copies any day
0: now. (laughs) I don't know about that. I got games to play. (laughs) Video (laughs) games to play. I do have one confession for you, though, Mike.
1: Yeah.
0: I I still haven't opened Cat in the Box yet. Mm -hmm. It's it's still shrink-wrapped. But it's been sitting next to me this whole time. See, the problem is, I only have two people in my house who could actually play a game. I got a toddler. I got to keep this thing away, right? I don't want her eating nothing. And then this game, it says uh, special rules for two players. So I ca- I-, I brought it hey. actually to my friend's birthday party where they were playing board games. But we just didn't get to it because we were playing Mysterium until 1 o'clock a.m. So uh, That happens. That happens. Yeah. Totally, yeah.
1: Totally understand.
0: So at least I have something to play this year and I will probably go to another board game night at my friend's house. And so I will at least have played two tabletop games. I'm making progress, Mike. You should be proud of me.
1: I'm very proud of you, Anthony. I'm very proud of you. Uh, Now we just need to accelerate that. Let's do it. (laughs) What's next. So uh, what actually, Mark, I think you and I need to discuss what game are we bringing back from Gen Con for Anthony? Because, he needs, uh, that's kind of the thing I'm going to do from now on. As long as we do this, Anthony, I'm going to send you again. So as as a, as a special, thank you for taking the time to host the tabletop team on your podcast.
0: Yeah. Happy to have you all here. So yeah, I'll take it. So yes, whatever, whatever you guys decide, uh, we'll certainly happily receive it. And, uh, I I play with, (laughs) I just need to find the time. So,
1: Well, it sounds like we need to find a good game for you and your wife.
0: It's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's not much of it. So her her background is, I guess, more video games. She's a Sonic lover. Uh, We played Mortal Kombat together. We've played Borderlands together. She loves, like, a little loop-based kind of stuff. Uh, We've played some Street Fighter together. We've played some Halo, actually. Firefighter mode is what we play. So her thing is she's just kind of everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. More co-op esque, not necessarily multiverses type of stuff, unless it's Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, just because she has background in that. So I don't know what that tells you about the kind of taste that she has and what you can extract from that, but there's some info for you there. Let's see what you come up with
2: like it sounds uh, like uh, maybe the new unmatched set might be in Anthony and his wife's future they like to yes but that ways. is oh oh well you mean the co-op one the uh,
1: Tales to a maze
2: that or uh,
1: or one of the I didn't Marvel even think set? of
2: that so that's a great idea yeah. um, or even just it's the not out yet exciting aspects
1: yeah uh, I would either I would go that or, or something truly co-op uh, I was also thinking dice throne might be a good one you know how to play yahtzee right yeah dice throne is basically yahtzee but you're playing superhero characters your dice are triggering off abilities on your board and you have cards your own special deck of cards to augment that super easy super fun and it's basically yahtzee turbocharged
0: okay that sounds interesting I'm not much of a tabletop player, although I I do I have enjoyed what I have played, but I am excited to see how much tabletop is growing. It is getting past the niche kind of feel that it has and it seems like I wouldn't say it's necessarily mass market in that way yet, but it is certainly becoming more pervasive with the general public at least a little bit more and that's really cool to see because i mean board games are cool
1: so i I would actually go further than that uh i think the tabletop market is transitioning into the mainstream right now Uh, we're seeing the beginnings of it and i actually think one of the releases we're going to talk about in a little while is going to contribute a lot to that um but uh but Honestly, I don't remember the the specific numbers, but last year one of the biggest game companies in the in North America, Asmodee, I called them the E three or the uh, EA of the tabletop industry because they've been notorious for gobbling up smaller publishers and smaller design shops, much like E three did many many years ago. Um, they they their profit uh, last year was on par with EA's profit about ten years ago. So it's happening. Like, there, the numbers, the numbers are there. Uh, I don't, I don't think that a lot of the industry has really kind of matured enough to that level, and it's, it's, we're kind of seeing fits and starts. Uh, and I'm, I'm including the tabletop media sphere so um but i I mean this is something i've been predicting since i took over uh as tabletop editor-in-chief at gaming trend and it's one of the reasons why um the mandate i have for us on tabletop at gaming trend is to kind of take the same approaches that we took towards video games uh since we started the site 20
0: years ago this growth i would imagine probably comes with a bit of trepidation because you know with growth and all that comes the 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 seeking of money and usually the I wouldn't say the the downfall of quality but certainly there are more products that would be less good as a result of it but on the flip side it usually means there's more in general which means there just will be a number of more good products that just come out in general because people want to make more stuff and it's an industry more people want to be a part of which means more stuff that comes out and a lot of that will be good.
1: Well, and and like not only that but the diversity of the kind of games that are coming out now. The the different themes. Uh in the last 2 to 3 years I've seen board games with uh, one had a theme of the Stonewall Uprising. Like that would never have happened five, 10 years ago. Uh, We've got uh, one of, one of the, I think one of the most important games of the year uh, that we have an interview of the designer up on our YouTube channel, Tori Brown. Uh, She designed a game called votes for women. And the theme is basically a historical conflict resolution game um, about the suffragette movement. And it's very educational And it really kind of pulls out, the teases out the history and a lot of the stuff that I've never even heard of. Um, It's stuff like that is happening. Um, So there's a lot of really, really amazing, amazing games that are are coming out these days uh, and amazing themes. Um, I think there's even a game where the theme is about strippers. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i'm surprised that has just happened
1: yeah well you know um uh you know that's that's a good point
0: <laughs> yeah i'm surprised it took this long to make something like that
1: yeah <clears throat> um so yeah i i mean i i'd be lying if i said i wasn't curious about that one <laughs> <laughs> but it is made from the point it is designed from the point of view of someone who actually worked in that industry and so I think it's like a a Euro style game. It's just the backdrop is strippers. There you go. So there probably isn't even any nudity in it.
2: it may not it's be. We've come, come a long a little, way from the Lord's little curvy
1: meat. little little curvy meeples. I don't know <laughs> <laughs>
2: If there's one thing um, that tabletop enthusiasts love more than anything else in board games, it's custom meeples. So, yeah, uh, I think that that'll be a big hit, big seller.
1: That metal coins, though, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, God, so I'm, I'm, I'm resisting the urge to just <laughs> tell joke after joke about that game. I'm not going to do it. I don't know enough about it, and I don't want to insult anyone who's anyone's hard work. So I'm going to step away.
0: <laughs> all right well with that said <laughs> let us do as we custom customarily do on this podcast now let us spin our wheel of segments
1: thanks to awaken realms call of duty is actually uh, going to be a board game and We've uh, seen it twice now, and we're going to get uh, a really in depth look at it at Gen Con. Um, But uh, we do have a kind of overview video, I think. Yep, there it is, uh, of of the game from Origins. And uh, Robert Geistlinger, who's the uh, head of Arcane Wonders, the the company that's producing this game. he gave us a little uh, a little run through of, of some of that, so I, I highly recommend checking that that video out. Uh, but this is like only the very basic thing. Like this is not the meat of the game, um, but it does show some of the core mechanics and and basically uh, it's it's going to have a dedicated room um, at Gen Con. Uh, they're pushing it really hard. The Kickstarter launches on Tuesday. And uh, I believe on our Twitter, uh, Twitter, we did tweet about that. You, there are still, uh, you, you, you can get, um, you can sign up for the reminder and get a special canine figure uh, and uh, mini expansion. If you sign up for the reminder and there are still events, I believe at this time that you can sign up for at Gen Con to demo it yourself.
0: And I got to demo you. For a yeah. moment, yeah. one of the biggest games ever has a Kickstarter for its board game. How does I don't understand how and why.
1: Well, let me let's let's rewind a bit and let me let me tell you about Kickstarter for board games. Um, Kickstarter for board games is a little different than Kickstarter for video games. Um, a lot of, a lot of the best marketing that these companies get, even the biggest companies, use Kickstarter to launch some of their biggest titles, and it's not about whether they can finish making the game or not, or trying to, to scrape up the money to to you know print it up. It's
0: purely marketing, and that I is. See, I need to see a page because I mean I can look it up right now, but yeah, that yeah. is because when I think Kickstarter, I think. You're raising money because you need it, right? These guys don't need it. No,
1: as a matter of fact, uh, the fact that it's become more of a marketing tool is uh, is starting to catch the notice of like organizations like the FTC. Um, so that may not be happening. Also, there's uh, there's some other uh, like there's GameFound and BackerKit which both did started out as supplementing Kickstarter to help like uh, distribute rewards and stuff, they have now ramped up their own crowdfunding platforms. And so they are all competing and it is almost all about tabletop. Um, and, and a lot of these a lot of these it's a lot of it is also because some of these versions of the games, like the high-end Kickstarter versions, with all of the miniatures and like the sun drop uh, wash on the miniatures and the metal coins and all of the special components, like those don't those aren't necessarily like absolutely necessary for the game. You can do all that with cardboard and you know even standees and just regular dice for the most part. But tabletop gamers, a lot of tabletop gamers love that deluxe treatment. And they will spend lots of money. Like these, these Kickstarters go into the millions of dollars. Uh, a lot of them, especially yeah, for I, the bigger companies.
2: I haven't seen the page for this one yet, but uh, based off similar, you know, titles that I've seen on Kickstarter in the past, I wouldn't be surprised if an all-in pledge for this is in the like four to five hundred dollar range. It's like I would say pretty average for this size of the game. And uh, yeah. like Mike said, people have no problem paying that when they get the kind of blinged out pieces and extra miniatures and the metal coins and, you know, all those things that aren't really necessary. And your average like retail shopper at a at a brick and mortar store probably isn't going to want to drop $400 on a board game. But yeah. uh, with Kickstarter, it's it's pretty common. I'm
0: seeing so I'm. Let's talk about the board game itself. What What, okay. is, what is this? What are we seeing? What's, what's some of the mechanics? Why are you interested in checking it out? Besides the fact that well, it's Call of Duty.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I, I'm interested. I, I'm definitely interested uh, in seeing how they translate the Call of Duty experience to the table. Um, I, uh, like, years and years ago, uh, before David came on board, I was the guy that went and reviewed all the call of duty games
0: (laughs) Ah. so
1: so um i've got a lot of i still remember a lot of that haven't totally forgotten all of it um it's been a while but uh but also i'm very intrigued It, it it does incorporate things like loadouts you get to play special some certain characters from the series it's not just from one specific installment it is primarily like the more popular installments, like the modern warfare installments and that sort of thing, ghosts. Um, but uh, it, you also like what he's showing off here is kind of like a one V one skirmish. They do, as you can see, they translate some of the uh, popular maps from the actual game uh, onto the board. And uh, you're, you're basically each character player is basically pulling off their turn behind a screen and um and you, you don't really show each other what you're doing until you're in line of sight uh that's most of what i remember uh, there's a lot of dice throwing there's a lot of like upgrading your gear uh, and changing out your weapons and and uh that sort of thing um it, it looks really interesting and I'm super interested in, to see how it plays with more than two players. Uh, I think that all the demos are going to be up to four players and I'm really interested to see what the advanced stuff is because usually the advanced version of a game is the proper version of a tabletop game. Um, and that's where all of the, the good meaty stuff is going to come in. Um, what about you, Mark? Uh, what are you looking forward to to this one? I know I I wrangled you into this one. We're going to demo yeah, so, it together. So
2: so when you told me we were going to demo this, uh, I'm kind of with Anthony. I was really skeptical of how Call of Duty is going to translate to the tabletop. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. a, a casual Call of Duty fan. You know, I've I've played Modern Warfare too, uh, but I'm not I'm not super into it. Um, and I just I don't know how you take that feel and put it on the tabletop, but I watched some gameplay footage earlier, and it had me pretty intrigued uh, for how they're pulling it off. The the kind of hidden tactical movement planning, and then you execute it and see if you're in line of sight, uh, I think is really well done. Uh, mechanically, I think the design is fantastic from what I've seen so far. Specifically, if you play a lot of uh, skirmish games or just tabletop miniature games, and you get really fiddly with the line of sight And the game just grinds to a halt while both players are like measuring with lasers or rulers or trying to figure out, can you see me? Can you shoot me? Uh, It's to the advantage of both players to like kind of fudge it a little bit. Um, This one just gets rid of all of that. And the game we actually mentioned at the beginning, Unmatched, uh, has a really smart Mm. line of sight system with really there's no arguing about it. It's super clear if you're in the same color zone, you're in line of sight and this game does the same thing except with colored lines i so
1: didn't it, realize that okay. if
2: i'm if i'm on a red line and you're on a red line we can see each other and fight so it just keeps the gameplay flowing really fast combat uh which you need for a call of duty board game if you're going to try and do that uh, the other thing i really liked is the dice that you can kind of see in the video here there's different colored dice that are do different things, whether you're trying to go more defensive or more aggressive or make your weapon do more damage. Um, You get to choose whatever mix of seven dice you want to roll in your attack. Uh, So you could go all aggressive, you could go all defensive, and it really simulates, you know, when you're playing the video game and you come up on a player, you're making that decision, how am I going to engage this player? Am I going to, you know, try and, you know, use cover? Am I going to go to the ground? Am I going to sprint right at him? Um, All those things that you, you know, are fun in the video game when it's really fast action, uh, I think they're doing a really great effort at trying to put that on the tabletop. Now, we'll see when we, we check it out, but right. I'm uh, way more interested now than I was when you first mentioned it to me. I'm actually more interested based on what you just said.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. It strangely sounds more tactical than actual Call of Duty. It sounds yeah, yeah. more like... I don't know, I guess more fast paced Rainbow Six Siege or something, but um, There's a board
1: game yeah. for that too.
0: Is is there a board game for Rainbow Six Siege? Maybe.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think it is. Oh my. Think, yeah, pretty sure.
0: Siege specifically? Uh, I mean, or just Rainbow Six? There's a Rainbow
2: Six Siege board game in production, yes. Wow. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, I knew that was happening.
0: Okay.
2: So.
0: Wow, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see that one eventually. Hey man, there's a
1: Skyrim board game out now.
0: Skyrim has made it.
1: Yeah, it's made it to every single platform. They possible
0: there will be guarantee it some like crazy Mario board game. I'm sure there's been plenty of Nintendo's kind of board games. There will be like a very specific like super promoted Mario board game after all this Mario madness. So the whole video game translation from game to board game. Yeah, I, I I imagine that will be a thing as tabletop continues to grow, and they want to snatch some of the video game audience with oh, yeah. them.
2: Yeah, we're we're definitely seeing that. Uh, you mentioned uh, your wife and you playing Borderlands. There's a Borderlands board game. Uh, they're going oh, to is. They're going to have yeah, that at Gen Con. Uh,
0: Here I here I am.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm here for that surprisingly as big as nintendo is i don't see a lot of nintendo games there's a nintendo monopoly
0: there is i have that at my job (laughs) yes uh the i i do wonder you uh mike i believe it was you who mentioned it takes from modern warfare call of duty does Does it also combine with black ops as well, or is this kind of just strictly modern warfare or does it take from other franchises?
1: Um, I think franchise,
0: I mean other stories, I guess.
1: I I think it pulls characters from across the franchise. I don't know exactly which ones, um, because the general shepherd there. Yeah. You've seen, we got ghost and we've got shepherd. Um, and that's—I think those are the only two characters I've seen up to this point. But Robert did say that it was not just a specific Call of Duty entry in the series; it's intended to be the entire series. Um, now, I don't think we're going to see like Call of Duty Infinite, <laughs> for instance, like the space the space game, which I kind of liked. But I'm not going to—I'm not going to get on that hill right now. Um, <clears throat> I think that might have been the last one that I reviewed. Uh, yeah,
0: go ahead. stay off that hill. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not worth it. Um, I think we're gonna find out a lot. Well, we're definitely gonna find out a lot more Tuesday when the Kickstarter launches. And I know the Kickstarter bonus if you sign up for remind if you send them your email and sign up for the reminder, then you get the little canine miniature in like character card or whatever Um, so uh, I believe there was that one entry that featured like a dog companion that they're trying to you know dive into the lore with Um, but but yeah I mean I I believe Robert I think I, I bet it's gonna be across the entire franchise and I bet there's gonna be a lot of like Add-ons and expansions that that you know flesh that out even more for that big all-in pledge that Mark was talking about earlier.
2: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention. Knowing the way that Kickstarter's are packaged, you are probably gonna have the base game that might be Modern Warfare, and then an expansion that gives you Black Ops, uh, another expansion mm-hmm. that gives you you know maps from Modern Warfare Two, and then, you know they 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 find a way to get you everything that you want, but. Uh, you know, you got to pay for it.
0: Man, oh, that's, that's that that business model about- sounds so familiar. I don't know <laughs> where I've heard that <laughs> well, from. Well,
1: so so here's the big difference, though, Anthony. For when you when you get an expansion of a Kickstarter, you get it with your game usually. Like the public gets those expansions months, even years after after you when it goes to retail. But usually, if you do like a big all in pledge or like get a, an expansion all carte, you get it right away. So they front yeah. load those expansions
0: big time. That doesn't make me feel bad. Like I, I can't imagine like anybody who's on the outside of Tabletop interested in getting into something like this and they hear that, oh yeah, if you go with the Kickstarter, you just get everything up front. But if you wait, you gotta wait maybe months right. for the thing. That's already finished. That sounds shady to me. ah uh... Well, can you you imagine let's let's imagine that in video game terms, right? Like if if I don't know, let's say Starfield had some expansion ready to go and you did like some special payment plan that gave you the whole thing just up front. But if you waited until the game came out and you had to wait a few months to to get the thing like that, it's weird.
2: Yeah, the the FOMO is definitely I, I think a deliberate strategy with with Kickstarter's. Yeah. Uh, it's yep it's intentional, uh, but fortunately they haven't found a way to put seasonal battle passes into any of these tabletop games yet. Yep, we do <laughs> have our there.
1: equivalent of horse armor, though. I will tell you, I will say that. <phone rings>
2: this is a really kind of small light uh, kind of beginner or family level game that just caught my eye when I was scrolling through, uh, you know, the hundreds of games that are going to be at Gen Con and you're seeing, you know, some really new and cool stuff, but a lot of it's, Hey, I, that's you know pretty similar to something I've seen before, even though this is a new spin on it, but Bonsai was just something that, uh, like I said, really jumped out on me. So it's, a a tile laying game so for those you know familiar with tabletop that you know immediately know what i mean but you're going to be acquiring little cardboard tiles and then putting them down on the table forming a bonsai tree throughout the game Uh, it's got some card drafting uh, as the mechanism for acquiring the the tiles and for playing the tiles and you're you're placing the you know the wood and the leaves and flowers and fruit really just crafting your own tree that's going to be different every time you play. Um, and for me personally, as I've kind of matured over a, about 10 years of tabletop gaming, I've, I've gone really towards the super heavy, super strategic games that take half a day to play. Uh, I just recently moved away from the, the game group that I was in. And now I'm finding new players that uh, are not <laughs> They're ready not for, sophisticated enough for, <laughs> for <laughs> uh, you. Yeah, we'll say they're not ready for those types of games. So. They're still no, playing no not no, T- when, no, yes. no TI4, Mark? No TI4? No. Yeah, no Twilight <laughs> Imperium uh, in my near future. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of shifting back the other way, looking for these kind of simpler, lighter games, but that still have some depth. And uh, Bonsai jumped out. And I really like the theme. You know, you're... Your your actions are either cultivating or meditating. You know, you can craft your tree, or meditating is where you draft the cards. But you're you're thinking about, you know, how you want to build out the the tree on future turns. So I think the theme just comes through really well. It looks beautiful on the table when people walk by and see these kind of trees that you're building as you play the game. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and something that I can introduce my family to and these kind of people that aren't used to. You know, big complicated games.
0: So wait, are you building a three-dimensional tree? No. So it, this one's flat oh, okay. on the table.
2: We'll talk about some three-dimensional stuff uh, in a, in another one of my picks. But uh, this one's yeah. flat on the table. Uh, but it's still it looks it looks gorgeous. Really, the, the the leaves and the flowers and the fruit it's all it's all done really well.
0: Uh, yeah. Is this yeah, a? It, it
1: looks great. It looks great. I saw it earlier. I, I bet my wife would love it.
0: What is the tree meant to do is 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 that just the goal or does the tree do something and then like it goes into like a phase 2
2: Yeah yeah I should I should explain that so you score points based on the position of the tiles so every leaf is worth a couple points and then the flowers are worth points based on the number of exposed sides so you you don't want to close the flowers in you want them to be on the outside of the tree and then the fruit is worth the most points, but it has kind of stricter placement requirements. Uh, so you're scoring points based on how you place the tiles. And then there's bonuses for whoever has, you know, the most flowers or the most fruit or the biggest tree, uh, different things like that.
1: I imagine there's probably like a card that a random card that you get at the beginning of the game, beginning of the game that has like a special point condition by the end of the game like a, a mission so, kind of
2: thing so that would be very common but this game actually takes a kind of a unique approach to that and all of those kind of special end game point things are right on the table at the beginning of the game and you can just pick one ah, but that depth
0: he's talking about you you, you thinking but, thinking ahead before the so, game even started yet. yeah
2: yeah it's a pretty
1: standard thing even for 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 games of of lower weight
2: they make it unique in that you could choose at any time, but they're they're split into three colors, so if I choose the have the most flowers, I can never Ooh. have access to the have the most leaves or have the most fruit. Um, oh, so I, that's nice. At the beginning nice. of the game, I could take that tile at the beginning of the game and say, I'm going to go for the most flowers, but you saw me take that, and you could prevent me from doing that the rest of the game, or that's nice. I invested in that early and then I it doesn't play out, and I wasted one of the, the point Bonus tiles, so uh, it's a little bit so, of kind of uh, risk reward, and how early you want to take that, or what strategy you want to go for.
1: So, actually, Anthony, I would say that's pro- that's a little heavier. That's 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 a, a heavier mechanic introduced like there. A, because, it's like a little
2: a little step up.
1: Yeah, a little little crunch, a little more crunch, and uh, and yeah, that that's pretty cool. That's that's a nice thing because then you're playing. You're not just playing the game, right? You're playing your opponents too. Right, yeah. so that's yeah. I love games that do that. Love games that do that,
2: yeah. And it's it adds that little bit of player interaction because really everyone's building their own tree. Uh, the cards you're drafting are from a shared pool, so you have some player interaction there. But on my turn, I'm not doing anything to affect you besides maybe I take the card that you wanted. But with those point things, I can have a little more influence and I see what your strategy you're going for, and then that might. I, maybe I go the opposite of you or I try and do the same strategy as you, but do it better. Uh, you know, you can kind of play the game how you want to play.
0: I like the sound of that. Yeah, I do too. How many players can it have at once? I think it's four. Yeah, that sounds, That's sounds solid. About right. Yeah. That sounds like a solid game.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds like a great game. I'm going to check that out. Thanks, Mark.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so uh, I'm, I'm reversed here. So, as you can see in the background, I've got a Star Wars board game right behind me. I've got my Millennium Falcon Legos. So, uh, I'm one of the probably annoying types of tabletop gamers that thinks you could take any game, put the Star Wars theme on it, and it's better than it was before. <laughs> uh, so, so, I saw this, I saw Star Wars, I had to check it out. Um, so this is from Fantasy Flight Games. They are a big name in the, the card game kind of area of tabletop mm-hmm. games. Um, less so in the TCG market, the trading card games. So when you think of like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic the Gathering, those are like your big TCGs.
0: Uh, Fantasy Flight Games game, has, yeah.
2: has done a, a kind of different approach and done uh, LCGs, what they call a living card game previously. And it eliminates the whole collection and kind of money factor to an extent uh, that TCGs have because they release a set and you buy it and it has all the cards from that set. And then you get another expansion. It has all the cards. So there's no hunting for the powerful cards. Mm. That's the LCG model. This game is a TCG. So um, a little bit apprehensive at first because I'm really like Star Wars. I'm really interested in a Star Wars card game, which actually fantasy flight has previously made star wars lcgs um but i, I do earlier like...
1: this year they came out with a star wars deck building game so,
2: yes a, a two-player yeah. deck building game yeah uh but I, I i don't necessarily like that chase aspect of a tcg where i have to invest in open packs and open packs to find you know the good cards uh, but they've kind of already said that that's not going to be the case with this game they want it to be really accessible which I think is really smart for the Star Wars IP because it's going to attract a much larger audience than maybe your typical trading card game like Magic that's pretty complicated, pretty expensive to get into. Um, Their approach is for all of the cards to be easy to collect that it it shouldn't cost you a lot of money to get the full set of cards. And those kind of chase or rare cards are going to be cards with like, foil designs or custom artwork or or things like that so there's still rare things for people that like to collect things can chase and show off to their friends Oh, look at this you know darth vader with the shiny helmet that i have but people that just want to play the game they want to have the cards they need to build a deck uh, should be able to get the cards that they need now how that actually plays out when you're buying cards we'll see but uh, so on the screen right now you can see the aspect system so there's six different aspects Uh, And that goes into deck building. The two that they've really talked about so far are heroes and villains. So, you know, like Darth Vader, clearly a villain. Luke Skywalker, clearly a a hero. Uh, And that's going to affect the way you build your deck, the way that cards interact with each other. Uh, You're going to have locations like the command center here. You're going to have a a commander that goes into how your deck plays. Um, I don't know exactly how all that's going to work together. So that's one of the things that I'm really excited to learn more about. But the other really cool thing about this is it takes uh, all of Star Wars media into account. So it's going to have cards from you know the movies, other games, video games, books, comics. All of that is open to them to to bring in mechanics and cards, oh, and, wow. uh, factions. So it's not just uh, a, a thing that they're making up just for this game, or they're not just using the canon movie you know stuff it's everything star wars they they can put into this game so i think that's really cool uh, and it looks like they've
1: done all new art too because they do ha- they do have a lot of other star wars licensed games uh, yeah like outer rim and even like the uh the miniatures games like legion and uh uh x-wing um though i think those they spun those off independently Anyway, a lot of those games in the past have used the same art assets. Um, this, is, this looks unique uh, to, to this card system. So uh, very thankful for that because they, they were kind of getting kind of a, same, a sameness, which is nice in some ways because they u- would use some of the same kind of uh, iconography to represent certain like mechanics. Um, but it was making everything kind of look a bit the same so
2: yeah well that's one of the things they specifically mentioned because they're pooling across all the different types of media is they created new artwork to kind of make the game cohesive so that you didn't have you know some animated artwork from a cartoon with some live action artwork from the movie with comic book drawings and then the game kind of looks like uh magic the gathering or uh, a <laughs> <laughs> little little, little jibe at the magic artwork but uh yeah you can see the cards here too. Like fantasy flight just has so much experience with like card design and all the games that they've made that uh, to me, the cards just look so clean and easy to understand. And there's not paragraphs of tiny text that you have to decipher while you're playing the game. So I know with fantasy flight, they're going to do an outstanding job of the production of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just really want to learn more about how it actually plays.
0: Hey, I, I kind of, I'm a fan of the paragraphs because I know when I play Yu-Gi-Oh! and I see all that text, I'm like, this is a good card. I need to figure this one out. I'm okay with figuring out how this card functions. One of the things you brought up was the, I guess, the business model behind it and how the fact that they're not going to uh, put you on the hunt for specific cards, but instead it's more of the design of the card that they're going to let you get on the hunt for. I feel like that is going to be something that will work i i haven't heard of another tcg that has done that so this sounds new to me and as
1: i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt um mark is that the same model that uh marvel champions uses
2: no so marvel uh champions the other fantasy fight The the LCG from Fantasy Flight, that's a living Uh, card game. So, that's a expansion, and you know all the cards that are in it. So, this is still a a TCG. You're still going to get booster packs and open them, and there's random cards inside. But they're not making, like, you know, say Darth Vader's like the best card in the game. He's not going to be like only one in every hundred packs that you open. Like, you know, they don't want you to, you know, have to mortgage your house to build a deck to play this game.
1: So, it's kind of like a foot in each. Like a foot in the, the Magic-style game and a foot in the Marvel Champion style game. kind of combines yeah. the best of both.
0: Instead of mortgaging your house for just the card just to play the game, you'll have to mortgage your house if you want the foil version of the card. So you could pick and choose how <laughs> how much house you still want at the end of this card game. But I feel like that, that's actually a, a fine model because for somebody like me who is actually really interested in this because I, I love TCG's I would want to play this game. And so if there's an expansion set that comes out, I know I'm probably going to get all the cards available with that set. And I could just play the game and figure out the build that I want and how I want to use the deck. And if I happen to get a foil card or a shiny or whatever the case may be, yeah, that's cool. That's nice. I'd say I have it, but I'm not going to be looking for it, but there are other people who will just, because they like collecting things and they want that kind of thing. So I think that's a a nice, happy medium that more TCGs should should do.
2: yeah, for sure. and uh like I, f- I feel like Magic the Gathering it's obviously it's a huge game that tons and tons of people play. I think it's very hard to get new people into that. Uh, you know, yeah. I've never played Magic, and I never want to play Magic because it's it's just so much. I know how much it costs. It's just not something I want to get into. Uh, I tried to get into uh, Flesh and Blood, which is a relatively new TCG that plays very differently from Magic, but you still have that aspect of the, the cards are pretty expensive. There's certain like super rare cards that you want to be competitive you have to get this card but you got to go buy it at an online card shop for 60 70 dollars or much much more depending on the card and that's just not appealing to me and with the really wide appeal of star wars making it more accessible in that way i think is a really smart move from fantasy flight
0: I think it's a smart move in general because I, I feel like TCGs in general as a physical medium are falling off because games like Hearthstone or even Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links or uh, the latest one they do, Masters, whatever, I forget what it was called. But as a Yu-Gi-Oh! player myself, that game has mostly transitioned to a digital medium and has found a ton of success. And the hunt you do is within the game itself. And so you're not spending as much money and you still get that experience of, ooh, I kind of want to you know, build the deck. I know I got to hunt for cards, which I admit has an exciting feeling to it. Um, very loot boxy in that way. But yeah. uh, as a physical game, it's, it just doesn't make as much sense anymore to do it that way.
2: Yeah and I think you know we're going to talk about another card game <laughs> yeah. here soon but I think yeah. there's there's probably like 5 or 6 TCGs that are going to be at Gencon it, it it seems like uh every popular IP is getting a TCG right now now how how far they will last if they you know they can That's the question. stand the test of time we'll see but I feel like Star Wars and the one we're going to talk about you know Disney Lorcana have a, have a big chance just based on uh, the theme oh, and the, yeah. the IP in general.
0: I could guarantee you if they have a, a, a model, business model, payment model, whatever you want to call it, that is more accessible than something like Magic, where a lot of people are pushing mm-hmm. back on how expensive Magic is at this point, even players who have been playing Magic for a long time. If it is strategic and it has the right kind of depth people will absolutely move to something cheaper and that rewards them for spending money how they choose to spend their money which star wars unlimited sounds like it's going in that direction mm-hmm.
2: yeah with with so much lore uh within the star wars universe and you know everyone's seen the movies and looking at this Yoda card right here, like I can play that Yoda card, and in my mind I can picture exactly Yoda and the way he moves and he talks, and how <laughs> the card's going to interact with, you know, a stormtrooper and what Yoda would do to that guy. Versus, uh, I, I don't want to keep bashing on magic, but uh, it's, easy, it, it's it's easy. So something like you know, a wizard throwing a fireball at a dragon, like it's just not as exciting to me uh, as kind of the magic of Star Wars.
1: We've we've got special appointments specifically for these two games. Uh, They're both uh, from from very, very good game designers. Uh, I'll just jump into it. Uh, The first one I'm going to talk about is Luthier. Um, Luthier is made by the guys who made the game that's on my shirt, Distilled. Um, Just to give you an idea of what kind of uh, game designers I think these people are, Distilled is on my short list. For game of the year this year, uh, it's probably the one game that I've played more than just more times than any other game this year so far, and it's a blast. It's the theme is about uh, basically making spirits, and like you're making like vo- certain types of vodka or whiskeys and that sort of thing, and it's it just has a really interesting card mechanic in terms of how you distill that spirit. Um, we're going to have a review up of that game uh, probably within the next month. Uh, So I don't want to get too, too far into the weeds on that, but their very next game is called Luthier and it's about making string instruments. Um, So uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to read from, uh, from the description on board game geek uh, using a new unique combination of hidden bidding and worker placement. Uh, Players manage resources to craft various musical instruments in their workshop. We're talking violins, guitars, pianos, anything with a string. That's what luthiers uh, traditionally were the makers of. Um, Each player chooses how to balance improving skills across multiple tracks, unlocking specialized worker abilities and other bonuses. Uh, The choice to concentrate on varying gameplay strategies and goals, such as musical performances. Because I, I, apparently, a musical performance is, is probably the, uh, the end point of whatever you create, right? Um, <clears throat> instrument building and repairs, apprentice training, and workshop expansion. Um, they've told us it's uh, slightly heavier, as in more uh, difficult, not just more complex game than Distilled, which uh, intrigues the hell out of me because I love Distilled. It's not very. I wouldn't consider it to be super crunchy, but it is on the crunchier side. And I've managed to get people who are aren't usually interested in that kind of game playing that game and enjoying it. Um, so uh, I'm really excited about this one. It's it looks super cool, and we're going to get one of the first looks uh, of the uh, prototype um, this next week. Uh, and nice. then. Um, And then the other game that uh, I'm super excited that we're going to get a first look at is called Manifest Destiny. And this is a game by a former Game of the Year award winner and Best of Gen Con award winner, uh, Off the Page Games, uh, co-designed by Jay Cormier. Um, Off the Page Games specializes in games that use independent comic series as their themes. Uh, So like our our, uh, Game of the Year winner, um, Mind Management, was based on a comic book of the same name. Uh, Our Best of Gen Con Award winner, and I think was one of the ones that we talked about in the podcast last year, was Harrow County, uh, which is also based on on an excellent comic book. Um, And the one thing, like every time Jay tells me about a new game that they're working on, I'm on Amazon ordering the comic because the <laughs> comics themselves are amazing and manifest destiny the comic book is about the Lewis and Clark expedition of history mm. only it's a little twisted uh, it's they basically go through scenarios where they encounter like cryptids and strange creatures in the unexplored uh, wilds of America back in the day. Um, And that's what, uh, that's basically what Manifest Destiny, the game, really hones in on. It's a cooperative game that has you taking turns exploring, which is the whole point of the Lewis and Clark expedition, right? Uh, Using logic to deduce where things are that you need to complete missions or uh, vanquish the creature in that scenario. Um, The game will come in chapters, with each chapter representing brand new components and ideas for you to solve. Uh, One level has you searching for the hive mind of a giant sentient plant, while another has you using deduction to make insecticide before the giant insects lay their eggs inside of you. Um, I... Yeah. I've, I've, so I haven't actually read this comic yet. I've ordered them and I'm going to be reading them on the trip, <laughs> Nice, but uh, I've paged through it. It looks great. The artwork looks, artwork looks great. And um, it, I did, I also did actually get a chance to play test this game already because Jay reached out to me uh, last month uh, to uh, run a play test virtually. And um, it, played really cool like it's it looks like something that you could play solo or uh with another person um and as a matter of fact i think the playtest i did was a solo game he was just guiding me through it uh and and it was fun it was fun it was in a very very basic form i'm curious to see how it's uh how it differs from the virtual version that he showed me uh last month um but we're getting uh some special time with that and we're going to get to look at the final production copy of Harrow County, which uh, should be shipping out to backers soon. So, oh. yeah, excited about both of those. Real stoked. Um, don't be surprised if you hear about both of those from Gaming Trend again, uh, especially right after Gen Con. Uh,
0: I would expect nothing less. <laughs> yes, considering indeed, indeed. you're checking those out.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that sounds. Um, Awesome. Uh, I love alternate history with, uh, you know, adding in supernatural elements, cryptids and things like that. So uh, I definitely want to check that one out.
1: Oh, no, no, I've I've got a few things to say about this one before Mark starts talking. Mark, I'll let you talk mechanics. I'm going to talk about the hype. Because there's a lot of it. Um, okay. The reason why it's not leaning into a specific IP is because it's leaning into all of them. Um, this is a Disney fans Lore. Okay. dream right here. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's going to incorporate all the classic Disney movies and properties. The hype around this is substantial and that's an understatement um we saw this uh from a distance at gamma expo and at origins and i say from a distance because there were crowds around the tables at all times we couldn't squeeze in um, we did get a little like kind of glimpse at some of the cards got to pick up some of the cards they're gorgeous uh, the design is gorgeous uh, the game is designed by Ravensburger. Um, which is uh, one of the big Dis- They pretty much make most of the uh, big Disney-themed uh, uh, board games. Uh, Villainous being probably their biggest property in that regard. Um, but every event sold out in in seconds around this game. Every every demo event. Um, their booth is going to be right at the front of the exhibit hall. And I've seen people talking about how they're worried that um, the lines coming out of the booth are going to be uh, uh, preventing other people from hitting other booths. Um, there's also a, a, a strange scandal kind of arising from this game in that a uh, upper deck is suing Robbinsberger and Disney uh, claiming that the, a designer that was working under contract for them t- took those ideas to uh, Ravensburger and incorporated them into this game. Um, oh. It's like, they're even putting limits. This is their big launch. They're putting limits on how many of certain uh, things you can purchase uh, at their booth. Um they're probably going to sell out. I, I would imagine they're allocating a certain amount of units of everything uh, each day. They're probably going to sell out within a half hour each day, if if I understand it.
2: Yeah, the they're scalpers, pushing this. The scalpers yeah. are drooling. They're just yes. drooling. Yeah,
1: no. The hype around this game is insane. It is basically. Probably the first real potential contender to dethrone Magic: The Gathering as a uh, as a uh, a big name in card games. Uh, the appeal is cross generational. It's um, you know parents want to play this with their kids. It's very. It's designed to be very accessible. You can even go download an app for your phone right now that is a companion app to the game and it lists every card in the first season. And you can look at the art and look at the abilities and it's just, this is the big, big behemoth of Gen Con this year. Mark. Wow. What, what did you, tell us what you know about it. Because yeah. I, I know more about that side of things. I'm sure you, you've looked into the mechanics a bit more.
2: So only a little bit. Um, They're, like you said, this is the, kind of the big launch. So they've teased kind of a little bit how it plays. Uh, I think it is, like you said, more accessible or it's a little bit lighter, and it's kind of themed around um, colors. And you're, I think you're trying to like paint uh, the all cards the colors in- of the wind. Yeah, yeah, the cards <laughs> in some way, uh, and that that factors into how you score points. Um, I think there was some aspect to it that kind of reminded me of KeyForge in, in, in a certain, yeah. uh, a certain aspect, uh, which is kind of a now dead but maybe being revived uh, LCG that I won't get into. But um, like Mike said, the the Disney IP obviously uh, consumes even Star Wars, which is owned by Disney, so that this has uh, even wider appeal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, me- yeah, the, the people uh, who love Disney are good.
1: going nuts about this game. Nuts. It's it's almost, it's like half of every conversation I see about Gen Con online at this
2: point. Yeah, it's crazy. Look at that Maleficent card.
1: Uh,
2: yeah. It looks fantastic.
1: Yeah, so they're going to have uh, booster, de- booster packs, starter decks, deck box, card sleeve packs, play mats uh there's even a 10 page portfolio like they're they've had this thing baked for a while and they've just been building up the hype and refining all of the marketing and packaging and everything about it for probably nine months at this point at least if not longer um it's it's been it's been hyped for a while
2: yeah i'm looking at some of the packaging on my other screen here and Um, similar to what I said with Star Wars with this kind of more accessible IP and trying to make it more accessible to a wider audience, they have pre-made starter decks so you can buy this starter deck and immediately start playing. Uh, I know a lot of people are intimidated by the whole deck-building aspect of TCGs, so if you want to just play the game, you don't have to engage with the deck-building aspect at all if that doesn't appeal to you. Uh, And they've got these starter decks separated into uh, colors, which, which go into... You know how the deck works together. is similar to Magic, and you might have your different. I'm playing a blue deck or a red deck uh, in Magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've kind of taken that and uh, put that into Lorcana as well. But uh, the uh, that aspect of I want to try this game out. I don't know if I like it. I can just buy this starter box that has a deck, and we can play right now. Uh, is really cool. Um, yeah, I didn't and, know that was an gonna, uncommon
0: thing. I thought uh, most TCGs a, do that.
1: We're getting a full demo of this. Uh, we're scheduled to finally get our hands on with this. Uh, we're going to also be able to, I uh, believe, interview either the artist or one of the designers. Um, and uh, well, there's also something special planned. They're, they've got a, they're throwing a big party too. Like this is like a proper E3 game launch is really what it reminds me of. It's pretty nuts.
2: Cool. Yeah, and I, I think we've really seen a, in the last year or two a big rise in these Disney themed games that are like serious yeah. games. I think you kind know, of maybe a couple years ago, maybe a Disney game would come out and serious gamers would look at it and go, well, that's you know that's a kids game or that's not a real game, but you know this this is a pretty serious game." Uh, Sorcerer's Arena, is one one of my favorites of, of the mm-hmm. Disney board games. It's a, a table a skirmish game. Uh, with tons of different characters and interactions, it's a really serious game. Uh, so, really cool to see these kind of childhood favorites that you know you can still enjoy as an adult without feeling like you're playing a kid's game.
1: And this Even is one of those games. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. This is one of those games that I think is going to expand the mainstreaming of tabletop, tabletop games. Like this, this has that potential of really kind of bringing in a whole new audience Uh, because there, there's so much overlap with like magic, the gathering, Pokemon, Disney, like it's just bringing a lot of stuff into one place in a nice clean package. And I think it's going to be, it's probably going to be like something that they're going to be talking about on the news this Christmas holiday season in terms of like hot toys, hot things to get your kids.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. This
0: was gonna yeah.
2: be huge at the holidays.
0: Yeah. Even the way the card art looks, it's not so um dark the, the expressions aren't so like weird and crazy, like for the kids, and they're not too like serious and you know hardcore for you know the adults. There's this nice happy medium as I've seen these cards rotate on the trailer. There's a nice happy medium of, ooh, that looks like you know the type of cards kids would like to look at, but it's not so cartoony and so childish that adults are like, ah, that's for children. So it seems like they've ooh. done a really good job and have dug really deep into, okay, how do we make this appeal to everybody from the color of the cards, the, sh- the shape of the, the text box, the way the text looks, the card art itself. All that matters. Yeah. Those little details yep. matter in terms of who is attracted to these type of things. Because I can guarantee you, if a if a kid looked at a Magic the Gathering card, they might. Uh, that is more mature looking than something where Disney can kind of go between the two and somehow come out in a way that is appealing to everybody. And I think right. this this does a really good job of that. So you know, you, you sometimes you can you can judge the book by its cover, and immediately I had never seen the cards before until this trailer started showing, and I was like, oh yeah, they they have put some time into how these things look and, they, and the way they want it to come off. It was it was immediate. So oh, yeah, I I can see why there is hype around this. And I'm interested now. I'm like, maybe this is a game (laughs) me and my wife can play.
2: (laughs) I know. I remember, uh, you know, as a kid in elementary school, bringing my binder of Pokemon cards to class and trading cards and playing the game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this has that potential. The the Disney IP is obviously worldwide. Uh, So we'll we'll see where it goes. But it, it definitely has the potential to be absolutely massive. As long
0: as it's yeah, there's easy for-
1: probably going to be a subset of people that just buy the cards and never oh, yeah. play the game, right? I had that thought. Just like yep. Pokemon, yeah.
0: I I wonder how easy it is to pick up and play in terms of, you know, once you get the starter deck, how easy is it to get on the table, read a few rules and just get going? I think that will be the biggest determining factor of how far this goes uh obviously yes there will be the collectors who just get the cards but in terms of people who want to play it and it's accessible could it be a game that i could buy for my kids at work and go hey let's try this out y'all can get into this and it's really easy to understand and execute but then it maybe has enough depth to where it's it it could get on a Magic the Gathering level where you can get some really crazy combination of cards to create a massively destructive deck, however this game will work. I wonder. Right.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at some more cards here. Though. I, mean, the one, I keep getting distracted by the ones cycling because they just look so good. Uh, but you've got things like Dragonfire. We saw Maleficent, so there's definitely a combat aspect uh, one mm. of the things that I am just reminded of looking at another card here that I saw in another video is some of the cards are songs. They're all the, you know, all the songs that those are uh, like uh, going to get, are gonna get stik- stuck in your yeah. head that you're going to be, you know, oh, wow. pl- playing your favorite Disney song and start singing it and it's stuck in your head for the rest of the day. So, uh, yeah, so many cool things going on
0: here. Guarantee you. Uh, if this game takes off in the way that it seems like it will, in seven years they will make a digital version and those cards will sing. <laughs> all the licenses. Well, that's will the thing. There.
1: Like we may see we may see digital version even sooner than that, to be honest. Like like I said, they've already come out with an app, like a, like a companion app. Sort of like yeah, a that's style app, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like it does you've got all the assets you you easily and you know you know all the rules, so you could easily make I don't know. I'd be surprised if there wasn't a strong digital strategy that they're going to roll out within like a year or two, uh, because it seems like this this leans in that direction as well. So
0: I d- I don't think you release a game that has this much hype and you've put this much time into and then digitize it that quickly. I just I don't think that would be the case because you know there's going to be expansion sets. They're going to lean into Marvel. They're going to lean into Star Wars. Uh, they're going to well. Lean they're into- going by
1: seasons, so it's going to be there's going to be seasons. I don't know how long those seasons are going to last, but um, they have also said that they're not going to retire seasons. You're always going to be able to find uh yeah. the cards going forward. So
0: as you should. So yeah, yeah, if they're going by seasons, however long those seasons are, which sounds weird in a card game sense, but. If that's what they're going by, there's no way they're going to digitize this thing in the first two years. There's zero chance because that'll cannibalize their their physical base. It's just much easier to play. Unless digitally. their
1: base is bigger than we expect, <laughs> that's what I'm. That's the point I'm getting at, right? If they expect there people are digital to double versions, dip, there are digital versions of Magic: The Gathering. Yeah, but Magic's been around for.
0: Good. God knows how long. Yeah. Like it's already been established. Yu-Gi-Oh! didn't get yeah. its digitized version, and even that was like a speed version of it until you know 12, 15 years later. So yeah. we're talking about within the first five years. I just don't see that happening. Not for not for this. Even I am like, ooh, I'd love to get a few of these physical cards.
1: Well uh, we'll revisit that. <laughs>
2: yeah so this is another one i would never heard of this game until yesterday when i was scrolling through you know the, the big list of all the games coming uh, and then looking more into it i saw that i i'd actually seen the previous game to this on kickstarter and didn't back it but uh, so life of amazonia it's from bad comet um and their kind of whole thing and this is their second game of the series is these meeples that look they're just like the real animals so they've got custom meeples that look like all the all the animals that you're going to encounter you know while crafting your jungle here they're all screen printed like i just want to play with this i don't even care what the game is (laughs) i just want to play with the meeples uh like look look at these coming out on the screen yeah Uh, so kind of similar to bonsai it's a tile laying game which is just a mechanic that i really enjoy where we're all sitting around the table we're going to have this experience but the table is empty and then at the end of the game We've all created something that's going to be unique every time you play, and that whole idea is just fun. Uh, you make the game as you go, and then you score points, you know, based on how you made your particular thing. So, in this one, every player is making their own, you know, Amazon rainforest or jungle, and you're trying to, you know, pair different types of animals together based on these cards um, to, to score points. Um, Man, Mark, you could have done the voiceover for this video. That was that was good. <laughs> uh, I've, I I've like been that. looking at it, I've been looking at it a lot. Uh, so <laughs> one of the things I wanted to talk about and we kind of alluded to this earlier is with tabletop kind of exploding, we're seeing this like much wider range of themes in games. So, uh, like you mentioned luthier earlier about crafting mm-hmm. stringed instruments, like that's crazy to think that there'd be a board game about that yeah. just a couple years ago when everything was kind of your traditional fantasy or you know, stuffy monks and Vikings and, you know, kind of the standard stuff that we've had forever. Uh, and then 2019, Egyptian, you had...
1: Egyptian. Oh, yeah, Egyptians. Good
2: one. Yeah. Uh, 2019, you had Wingspan just kind of exploded uh, in the tabletop world and has been massively popular. And since then, we've seen a lot of these kind of nature and animal-themed games. Another huge one uh, a couple of years ago, Ark Nova, which is a favorite of mine. Which is about conservation at zoos, um, and it's got a lot of really kind of tight card interaction, and you're you're building a zoo in front of you, so, and this kind of iterates on that, but you're building a jungle. Uh, that that whole theme of just the animals and uh, nature is really appealing to me, uh, and this game specifically tries to teach you about. Conservation in the rainforest, which is, you know, a a legitimate issue going on right now. So anything where you can have a fun time and then also maybe have a conversation about,
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
2: you know, maybe how tabletop games uh, might be affecting uh, conservation efforts. Though this company uh, has laid out uh, certain manufacturers and steps they're taking uh, to support conservation efforts, which is good to see in a game that's about conservation. Uh, Right. But yeah, just I I don't know how anybody can walk past this game at Gen Con and not you know stop and go what what was that I have to <laughs> see right. more about this uh, with the 3D waterfall and all the meeples and the 3D trees it's just probably the most gorgeous game of any that I looked at uh, on the list.
0: It's, uh, you summed it up pretty nicely. It's looks fantastic. I love the concept. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Oh, uh, looking at my notes here. So the other thing I wanted to mention, so obviously we've got tile placement here, but the way that you are kind of drafting the, the animals that you get to place or the the trees or the tiles is bag building, which is another kind of really popular mechanic. Um, probably the biggest game in the genre is Quacks of Quedlinburg, uh, which anybody that plays modern board games has heard of or played. It's just absolutely a phenomenal game and super widespread. Uh, so taking that mechanic, combined with tile laying, which is also a super popular mechanic, uh, and making those both work together here is just, I'm really excited to, to try it out, play it. This is a Kickstarter game that I think they're just going to be demoing uh, at Gen Con. It's not, I don't think it's ready yet, so there's probably going to be like a pre-production copy that they're showing off, but Uh, Really hoping we can get some time to check it out.
1: Yeah, totally. I I totally, hundred percent agree. And yeah, you were talking about Arc Nova earlier. Uh, Arc Nova was one of our Game of the Year winners uh, last year as well. And uh, I'll be honest, uh, the expansion that's coming out for Arc Nova soon that adds aquariums would have been on this list if uh, if they if like I think they slip they were supposed to show it off at gen con uh and maybe even have it for sale but i don't i don't think it's going to be ready until essen so uh so yeah it did make the cut um but this looks great this looks fantastic
0: agreed okay well the wheel is empty but mike you had one more thing you wanted to bring up that yeah actually really quick you i do want to mention
1: yeah i'll uh I'm going to bring that up, but I do want to say uh, this is be on the lookout for this next week on social media. Uh, We're going to be uh, giving out some awards to some of our favorite things that we see at Gen Con uh, this year. We do this every year and we'll have an article up, but this is what the the actual award looks like. It's all nice and shiny uh, and fun like that. Um, So be on the lookout for that. Um, And if you're at the convention hall, obviously uh, you'll get to see that hanging up in the booths um as as the the convention goes on but um there is a special thing that i'm doing uh not only as a representative of gaming trend but also as a representative of a uh, a new initiative that i've been kind of spearheading called the uh, ethics in tabletop media initiative or etmi you can uh find out what that's all about at etme.org um but basically, uh, there's a lot of things in the tabletop industry that have been kind of converging. It's another part of this maturation of the industry and, and uh, an indicator of how uh, tabletop media in particular hasn't matured with the industry. And um, there's been a lot of ethics questions. Um, there's been some scandals. There's been, uh, in, in, in uh, about two or three weeks ago, the FTC... Um, even came out with new guidelines for people who review products like games um, that they're going to start uh, making sure that publishers and media adhere to. And that's the uh, focus of the panel that I'm going to be on Thursday at noon. Uh, it's going to be at the uh, Gen Con TV stage. I will be there with a couple of members of the Gamma board, as well as a, uh, a high up a uh, person from Asmodee, which is a a huge uh, game company that we talked about earlier. They own Fantasy Flight and a few of these other companies. Um, but it's a really big, important issue, and like the whole reason why I formed this initiative is because I've uh, I've seen what I saw what happened, you know, ten ten plus years ago with Gamergate, and um, how. The idea of ethics in gaming journalism impacted uh, the trust level in uh, our readers, in publishers, in the people that work together in this industry. I've seen a lot of parallels and it's got me like kind of uh, PTSD'd out, right? So uh, that was not a very pleasant experience. So this is me getting a little proactive and trying to um, get media people on board publishers and then just restore some faith with our readers and viewers, uh, that consume our content. Um,
0: so I'm going to be talking, I mean, about, talking that? about things like uh, conflict of interest
1: issues. Like, Absolutely. Disclosures, okay. um, everything, uh, like things that would make
0: this, us distrust what we read on the internet when it comes to tabletop coverage. E-
1: exactly. Exactly. Okay. Like, you know, uh, a, there's, there's like a a group of people based on like overwhelming positive coverage of certain games that will just think that that reviewer was paid to come up with a good review. And unfortunately there are reviewers out there that do that. And a lot of those people don't, a lot of those reviewers don't even know that they're doing something wrong. And so this is about getting people on the same page. And more importantly, it's going to have a a bigger impact now that the FTC, that the government has gotten involved. Um, So if you see me at the con, or if you see me at that panel, I'm going to have these lovely stickers to hand out. And this is the the symbol uh, I designed for the initiative that um, my hope is that this becomes a symbol of that trust uh, between uh, what we do and and the people that consume our content uh, and the publishers that look to us to help them get the word out about their games. Um, the so, tabletop
0: seal of quality.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm going for. And I've got these lovely little stickers. I've got about a hundred of them. So hopefully, I don't run out before you see me. If you see me, um, but I'm really uh, I'm really excited about this initiative. Uh, Gamma, the Game Manufacturers Association, uh, actually just voted today on their board meeting on uh, forming a uh, committee to work on an actual ethics code, which is something that I've got a draft up up on atme.org right now. Uh, I'm working very closely with them. I'm probably going to end up being in the committee uh, just based on the discussions that I've had. And uh, really, I I just want... I, I, I want to help uh, this hobby and, and the, the 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 things going on around this hobby uh, become more about just playing games and less about like distrusting each other,
0: you know, because that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, we do the even yeah. in the video game space, but that's where I spend my time. The yeah. oh, this is fun. Like all of this yeah. is is fun and. I, I totally get that people do rely on people like us, you know, especially in big sites. I'm just, you know, IGN, GameSpot, all the, you know, these places where you, you you want to get something that either you know validates how you feel or you genuinely don't have any feelings and you want to get a direction on where you want to go. And because these things do cost a lot of money, people want to spend their time with it. You do want to have something where you are not basically promoting the thing and mm. passing it off as criticism, so right. or reviewing. so to me, I, I do find it fascinating. Video games and tabletop are not so separate in terms of uh, the, the the people base mm. um that I I wouldn't think that tabletop would have this problem considering everything the video game industry media has already been through, right? Like they're not so far apart that it's the tabletop people have seen what happened with people like Jeff Gersman, for example, or, you know, like these different, you'd be surprised.
1: Yeah, I am surprised. surprised. That's right.
0: So that Um, the fact that the FTC has had to step in. I don't even think the FTC has necessarily stepped in for video games yet. I don't remember oh, that oh, specifically. No, no, no,
1: no. These new these new rules apply to video games too,
0: oh, so they so are like, stepping
1: in. Yeah, it's oh, gonna. Okay. Yeah, so so uh, a lot of what I'm working on in terms of the code of ethics, uh, we're going to adapt it to everything we do at Gaming Trend, uh, and we're already starting to make a few changes. Uh, you'll note on our reviews that you do see a disclaimer that says that most of the uh, products that we review have been provided to us. That's an important disclosure that um, a lot of people forget to forget to do. And, you know, it's, it's easy to forget. Right. But like there's there's going to be fines handed out for this stuff going forward and it's about to get real serious and it's, it had already kind of come to a head in the tabletop industry and everybody I've talked to about getting involved in this. And I've talked to other media folks. I've talked to publishers. I've talked to CEOs of big companies. Um, they're all, they, they all think that the time is right for this. Uh, so it's, I feel like it's a sign that we're, we're kind of ready to, to kind of police ourselves a little bit and, and, um, and make sure that we're all on the same page about simple things. Like, What's the difference between a review and a preview? Like, that is a muddy, that's a muddy t- thing in the tabletop What's the world. the difference between a review
0: be. and an opinion piece?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or an impressions so, piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a lot of what, uh, what informed uh, my version of the code that is going to act, uh, I believe it's going to act as the uh, initial draft that we're going to work with on the committee uh, with Gamma. Um, assuming I'm on it. Uh, but like I said, I, I have been talking to the people involved in that and, uh, and we're all in agreement about, you know, bringing our resources together. I'm going to be talking to a lot of media people, uh, next week about getting them on board and, um, and yeah, like it's, it's, it's starting to snowball and I'm really, really proud of, uh, of how people are, are encouraged and enthusiastic about stepping up and doing something about this because it's time.
0: So I think everything in life needs boundaries. I think, exactly. I think all freedom needs boundaries. Otherwise it's anarchy. And with anarchy, you get, you get everybody's interpretation of what they think is right. And something that is there to set a standard, uh, And and some good guidelines, maybe not necessarily just strict rules all the time, but some good guidelines is helpful for an industry that's, yeah, for an industry that, uh, at least in video games, makes billions of dollars every year. It's the biggest entertainment industry on the planet. And in tabletop, it's a growing industry. And so anything that needs growth needs some healthy boundaries to keep it in check. So, yeah, this sounds great.
1: Yeah. Yep. So yeah, Tuesday, uh, Thursday uh, at noon, um, it'll be uh, right out in front of the uh, gaming hall uh, as you're headed towards the exhibit hall. Um, check it out. It'll also be live streaming to Gen Con, Jin uh, Con's Twitch channel. Um, so it's going to be out there and uh, hopefully I'll be able to post it at uh, at me.org and we'll probably link to it off of our socials as well. So uh, check it out if you're interested in the dark underbelly of the industry. um, Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be the conversations I've been having so far have been great. And I just see it getting better and better. And it's, it's enabled me to meet a lot more people in the industry as well, which has been great.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Mark, Mike, thanks for taking over for a day. That's great. Yeah. We'll thanks, have you back though. We're gonna have you back oh, yeah. post Gen Con to discuss what you guys saw and uh anything else that you experienced while you're there in case there were a few more things. Uh, I know there's six of you, so you might be able to come away and just have some more explanation of a few other games as well. So I'm looking forward to that. It's always fun to have you guys on, uh mix things up a little bit on this podcast.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, this is a lot I, of fun.
1: At, at the very least, come back for the next for that episode so that you can see what game we get Anthony at GenCon.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> so I will be surprised. I don't, I don't even know what you're going to come back with. All right, well that'll do it for us. We will. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll probably have you guys back in the next two weeks. So next week we'll get back to. Video games, I suppose. We'll see. Either yeah. way, we'll be back next week. So,
1: we'll be we'll be uh, in full on convention mode next Thursday. And, yeah, and, and probably through the, right through in the week. The yeah.
0: So, yeah. you guys, let me know. Either way, you'll be back. So, uh, appreciate y'all watching. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you later.
1: We'll Thanks.